Okay, kids, buckle up. It's time to waste more time listening to the Thinking Hardly podcast. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Uh, tired still somehow, but mm. good. <laughs> you get an hour, right? In the middle of the night? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I think you fall back. <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to think of the effect of that, but I'm too tired, so. <laughs> you get an extra hour. Think of, think about it as you have to get up at, let's say, 7. So 7 turns out when you fall back to be 6, so you get one more hour until it becomes 7. Right, right. Just trust me. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Um, Tomorrow you'll get an hour. Yeah, it 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 reminds me of going to California. Uh, that's that's right, because that's yeah. exactly what happens when you go to California. Yeah. When I was a little kid, going there, you know, I mean, it was hard for me to actually sleep in to a time that was like acceptable for anyone else when I was that little. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. I'm yeah. I was well. That's the thing. It's even worse there. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. I'd wake up and it'd be like four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's hard for me You're to excited. It's hard for me to go back to sleep. Yeah, me too, man. I hear you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. what else to so say? You're tired. Are you you're awake enough to do this? Yeah, of course. Okay. Good. Good. So, uh, I have a few things here. We could just like throw them out and see what happens. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so Greenwald resigns from The Intercept this week. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? I did. So what's that um, about? You know, I'm not entirely sure what it's all about. It it seems like The Intercept is has been kind of in turmoil for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't really know how to feel about... Because I think Greenwald has some weird opinions about some stuff mm-hmm. but it's it's one of those things where it's like i think you've kind of earned the right to not really get questioned that much for that kind of stuff just because i don't know it's so hard to think about because it's like either it's blunting the effects of like one of the most significant journalistic kind of i mean the dude's been involved in so many like huge revelations and things tell me about that besides snowden uh chelsea manning he's um it most of his other stuff has been in in brazil um so bolsonaro hates him yeah uh and a large part of that is because he kind of provided the background on the um maneuvering that got lula out and um, same thing for uh, I'm trying to remember her name the um, the woman who kind of took his place for a little while before mm-hmm. Bolsonaro took over, um, and basically it it all revolves around uh, corruption investigations from a uh, fairly right wing judge, and mm-hmm. uh, it seems like there's a lot of sort of collusion to uh, lock up 
people who were sort of viewed as political threats or at least disqualify them from running. So Lula no longer can run for office, basically, mm-hmm. uh, even though he's like massively popular there, even after all this stuff. No, probably and, because he's massively popular. It, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but there's, it's, uh, I'm trying to remember the the name of, uh, of the, the investigation. It's the car wash investigation, but I can't oh, remember. Right. Right. Uh, it is called the car wash investigation. I can't remember the Brazilian. But it's or Spanish. The, the Portuguese, yeah. Or the Portuguese, but, right. Portuguese. Um, yeah. It's, it's like, that's a pretty big one. I mean, that's huge. Um, kind of showing that kind of of high level collusion between people who like like at that time Bolsonaro wasn't elected for I mean I think he was like a senator or something. Mm-hmm. And did Greenwald does he live in Brazil or did did he at some point live in Brazil? Yes, he does. He's actually uh, I think I don't know if he's married or if they're just in a domestic partnership, but he is with. Uh, a member of Congress there. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. A Democrat or a fairly liberal somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. He has, a, he has kind of a Latin last name there, like starts with an M. I'm looking it up. Mm. David Miranda. Miranda, that's yeah. it. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so you don't know what to make of this, right? This was a disagreement about an article that he was working on about how the press was mm, suppressing or not reporting adequately on the, the, was it really, was it specifically about the laptop or was it just Hunter Biden's problems? Let me see here. Um, It was, yeah, I don't know really. I'm going to see if I can find his actual. Yeah, I'm pull this on you. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. I no, just no, wondered I mean, what you I, thought. I think it's pretty interesting, and uh, I don't know. I mean, he, like I say, he's a, he's a hard guy to pin down. Yeah. No, he was a he was a fa- the founder or one of the founders of the Intercept. Yes. Um, okay. I think it was him and Jeremy Scahill were the, the two that kind of started it. Okay. I'm trying to remember. There's probably more people that were in on the ground floor. You know, he's not going to have any problem. He can go write a blog or whatever, right? Or go write on Medium or something like that. Yeah. So I think uh, he said he's going to start publishing on Substack. Oh, uh, Substack. Right. That's which, the, That's the one. I, I appreciate that because I already there's a few people on Substack already. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Who do you a follow. Uh, I don't really follow anyone, but there's a few foreign policy writers that have like a group Substack. That's it's like I don't know. It seems like kind of an open source like attempt at at putting together like a newspaper style publication. Yeah, uh, but it's just basically everyone does their stuff and then they. You know, they all basically show up on that Substack. Yeah. Um, There's so a history professor. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was, I was. Go ahead. There's a history professor that has a, I don't know what you'd call it, like a newsletter or something on Substack, and she writes it every, almost every day. It's really impressive. 
she's not, you know, she's more centrist, I would say. I mean, she's she's pretty she's a Democrat, but um, she has a she has a good uh, historical handle on things. And and um, let's see, she's written a lot about justice stuff, you know, sort of what happened. And really, more than that, actually, it's really the history of the Republican Party, like what happened after the Civil War and what were the major forces that changed, changed, you know, sort of how the Republican Party dealt with issues of race and economics and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I find it interesting because I don't know that much history and she's a good writer and it's not too, it's not too daunting for me. So I read it every morning. Heather Cox Richardson is her name. Good, good writer. Oh, and yeah, so, you know, if you're, that. Well, it wouldn't, it would be like a, it'd be like, I don't know, like a piece of candy to you. But for me, it's like, know. you know, <laughs> that is like, potatoes. that is like a super interesting point in time for me. The um, sort of just the, the, the sort of readjustment of uh, kind of party interests. Yeah. Cause it took like 60 years at least. Yeah. I don't, um, she's written like six or five or six or seven books or something like that. I mean, she kind of just started with her PhD dissertation and then has been working, working through it. But I mean, I guess there was a turning point in which the Republicans decided they were more about kind of free labor or something and not so much about um, black rights. I think when, I think when some of the, you know, some of the black, um, you know, concerns about black Americans overlapped with poor people. They got less interested. Yeah. Well, I think it's also, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting because I don't really know. I, I need to research it more, but, um, it is, I mean, it seems like for a while there, the Republicans basically just had like a lock on the presidency. Mm -hmm. Um, with just a few exceptions. And, you know, I would assume that that realignment is mostly based on the sort of lessening of that um, dominance. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the big pivot was the depression and the fallout of that, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when people, got, that's when people really got serious about, you know, outcomes, well, no. yeah, it's also, I mean, when, when you introduce someone like FDR, that's a pretty big, like, realignment, I would say, yeah. you know, like, that's a, that's a, I don't know, I think FDR is a really interesting figure, because he's like, kind of insane, but also, like, you know, did so much, like, just actually did so much. Yeah, I mean, there are these periods in time where, where these weird characters somehow fit perfectly into an historical event and then stuff happens, stuff changes. Yeah. You know, like Winston Churchill was on the skids. Everybody thought he was kind of a nut, you know, like a, he was panicked about Germany and people were like, hey, come on, don't be a crank. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, all of a sudden he was the right guy for the right time. Anyways, have you been following Tucker Carlson? I have. Yeah, I and think we documents. mentioned 
<laughs> I think we mentioned that. Uh, I don't know. That's that's super funny to me. Yeah, here, like, let me play this clip. This is about Tucker. Oh, this I is Tucker. Heard him. Yes. Okay, this is him distraught over the you know the spookiness though whatever happened because his he his stuff got lost in the mail here we go tuesday morning we received word from the shipping company that our package had been opened and the contents were missing the documents had disappeared they disappeared right so there was all this worry that somehow the left had biden's goons had somehow done a ninja thing and dropped into the UPS sorting facility or whatever and opened yeah, I was up. Say, I thought I thought he used the beautiful free enterprise version of mail. What what happened? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. This is the guy who's like, don't worry, you know, the US Postal Service, all this stuff will get there on time. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's like that's the thing. I think you're they're kind of poisoning like the actual like effect and impact of this kind of stuff because I'm pretty ready to believe a lot of like corruption stuff against, you know, people like like anybody Hunter in power. Biden. Yeah. Yeah, especially someone like that where it's like it seems like basically your professional history is attempts to do stuff on your own and then things that were relate, directly related to your dad. Yeah, which, I mean, like, it, you know, yeah. it's like hard to even like, that's where we are now. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to believe a lot about that, but like, you know, I think by bungling this so hard, they're really screwing things up for independent people who yeah. might be like willing to believe this stuff. Yeah. Well, for sure. Hunter Biden, I mean, he would not have been on the board of Burisma and all these <laughs> other things if his last name wasn't Biden. I mean, that's just, you know, it's a stretch, right? Yeah. To think that, that think somehow that it just, you know, coincidentally, he's the best person for that role. Mm-hmm. You know, now that doesn't, the, the rest of it, it, I mean, my like stupid, five cent view is that if the claims are extraordinary, then the evidence has to be extraordinary too. I mean, that's just kind of how I think about it. But if your prior is high that Biden is, you know, got his hand in the, I mean, Joe has his hand in the cookie jar, then you don't need a lot of evidence. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is really, I think like they're attempting to do something similar to what happened last time. With like WikiLeaks and then with yeah. uh, with Comey, I was comparing yeah. this stuff to the Comey letter yesterday, and it's like the difference is that comes from someone that people like view with authority. This yeah. comes with nothing. Yeah, and and even like I mean the fact that it's not like even if it was just that WikiLeaks released this stuff, that would be fifty times better than what they actually did. Yeah, because. And it's just like I think really the effect is that it changes no one's mind and it it basically is just more chum for people who are on your side or against you. Yeah. <clears throat> it looks it looks like weak. I mean, that like that's yeah. the best they could the best they could do. I don't know. 
anyways, they found the the USB drive, the flash drive, or whatever he called it. They did find it, and he and Tucker said, "Well, we did, you know, we did have a copy of it, uh, you know." And so it was clearly this was in, you know, the intention was that there was something nefarious about the about UPS losing the thing. But here's the weird here's the weird part. Here's about a minute, forty five seconds of um, Tucker talking about, listen to these first names, Tucker and Hunter. I mean, um, <laughs> you got to be, <laughs> you know. I got to look that's up. Not a, that's, not a, that's not a university of Missouri or University of California. Those aren't names that you would find there. This is like Ivy League, <laughs> East Coast, Tucker oh, I don't know Hunter. about that. What? When, when I was a kid. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Biff and you know whatever. So here's here's Tucker now. After he's gotten his hands on the flash drive and looked at what's on it, this is what Hunter has. I'm sorry. This is what Tucker has to say about Hunter. There are a lot of documents about Hunter Biden's personal life that we haven't brought to you, and we're not going to. And we should tell you why. One is the obvious answer: he's not running for president. And so, to the extent those documents pertain to his dad, of course. But Hunter Biden is a fallen man at this point. And I should also say that I knew Hunter Biden fairly well. We lived near each other in Washington for quite some time. I knew his wife, who was an absolutely outstanding person, a good person. I never thought Hunter Biden was a bad person. I thought he had demons, but in the time I knew him, he kept them mostly under control. At some point, he lost control of those demons, and the world knows that now. He's now humiliated and alone. It's probably too strong to say we feel sorry for Hunter Biden, but the point is, pounding on a man, jumping on, piling on, when he's already down, is something that we don't want to be involved in. Boom. <laughs> I mean, what in, the, what in the world is going on? They're just not going to, like, does that mean there was nothing in the documents and now they got to say why they're not saying anything? Well, I think they don't want to. So, I don't know, man. A lot of this stuff, if it's not related to Joe, is probably a lot more open to, like, libel sort of, mm. or, or, you know, Mm. I think, man, you're always you, thinking. Well, I'm just thinking because I know that he's like all these big talk shows like that are constantly getting litigated against. <laughs> Let me like, just point out. out. Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, by the way, happy Halloween. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let me just point out. Like I'm in Italy. It's five thirty in the afternoon. I've been up since seven thirty. Okay, I've been up for ten hours. You just rolled out of bed. And you're just like, oh, yeah, well, they got to be careful about libel. I mean, you know, he's not, you know. Well, we like were just course. talking about, weren't we just talking about how the, um, a lot of this stuff, like both Maddow and uh, Tucker both had judicial, like, um, rulings basically saying that you can't take them completely seriously. Well, like, that's even worse. Now you're reminding me that I should know. Like, I've even <laughs> talked about this. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, yeah, it's just, I think Tucker is really interesting because he's so good at just like, if you were just to take a clip out of context and just show it to someone who didn't know anything about it, he always does a good job of sounding pretty, um, sounding really pretty. Funny. Yeah, exactly. Like not, 
not trying i mean he's i think he's really good at the tv kind of um presentation where he doesn't seem super biased just listening to him if you don't know anything else yeah he's no ben shapiro well yeah ben (laughs) yeah i think that's the the thing that's like trump kind of showed that they're not really they're not really talking to a big mass of people those kind of people i think yeah yeah people like tucker that's for sure i mean i don't really like him but I guess he's just, you know, making a living. I don't think he, he probably doesn't believe a mo- much of what he says. I don't I have no idea what, what he really thinks. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I assume that it's just sort of, um, I would assume that it's just sort of going with what the sort of heart, you know, the pulse he's, he's trying to stay current and I think he's pretty good at that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a, I don't know, what do you call him? He's not a journalist, right? I don't know if he's an entertainer. What I don't know what you call him. Yeah, he's like an opinion. He's a commentator. That's, yeah, that's commentator, that's it. That's he provides it. narrative, and uh, it is really interesting watching his evolution from just like a libertarian nerd to mm-hmm. kind of like being pretty savvy in terms of this media stuff. Yeah. Because if you, I mean, if you look at Crossfire, Crossfire was just such, like, I don't know why anyone would watch that show. I don't even know. Is Crossfire, when I think of Crossfire, I think of this really, like, old, old TV show with, is it the same thing? Did they reboot it? Uh, Yes, it looks like, so he was there 2000 to 2005. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking like 1970-something, 1980, Crossfire. Oh, here we go. Yeah, Crossfire, it aired, uh, started airing in 1982. Okay. And who was the who is the, the guy who was leading it? Jim? No, John? Mick? Laughlin? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, okay. That was a great show. He would just, he would ask a, like, like three or four people, you know, they'd give their, he'd t- toss out, ah, topic number four, topic number four, Japan, and then they would all do their, they would all like give their analyses. And if, if nobody got close, you're all wrong. The correct answer is 72. And then he would move on. He just was oh, like, a, yeah, okay. So there was that crossfire. That's it says. Well, there's the McLaughlin or McLaughlin oh, group. Uh, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, but yeah, with that, Fred Barnes. A lot and... of, it says there's some uh, crossover between the people that were on there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've gotten it uh, wrong again. The so I I was kind of unaware of this stuff until the John Stewart stunt where he went on there and just was like trying to make fools of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it it speaks to Tucker Carlson's like growth that he was actually like he looked like a loser at that time Mm -hmm. like he got shown up by john stewart who i think is not like i think he's good on his own but i don't really think john stewart's that great of a debater yeah boy it seems like we're john stewart seems like a long time ago and he was so fresh at the time i mean it was like you know totally different yeah, he was pretty perfect for the Bush era, you know? Um, yeah. 
but also like going back, it's so embarrassing. Like looking at the stuff that we all were like, you know, I mean, some of it's really funny still, but like just the tone of a lot of the like liberal anti Bush stuff is so funny at this point. Yeah. Like you could see the, the sort of, uh, I don't know, antagonism, the cultural antagonism that's like led to this. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you know that the the guy who hosted the Daily Show before John Stewart, your mom and I actually met. I mean, he was at our uh, he was at at our apartment eating tacos. Really? Yeah. What's gosh? What's the guy's name? Uh, Craig Kilborn. Uh, Kilborn, right? Kilborn. We knew his brother from church, and Craig was doing sports casting in Central California or something, and came up. Chris, his brother's Chris. And uh, they're like two big strapping guys from Minnesota or something. You know, they just look like they were not not really normal. At any rate, and he was just a smart alecky, you know. I didn't really think, I mean, it's a sports guy. I don't know much about sports. And then like a couple of years later, he's like the Daily Show. And then after that, he had a, you know, he had like, uh, he, was on, he was a show before, um, uh, Craig Ferguson. He was the host of whatever Craig Ferguson's show was. Really? Yeah. Yeah, just for a little while. And then he said, I'm done with all this. This is it's crazy town. I can't do this anymore. And he, I don't know, he does some, I, I guess he gets by, you know. Yeah. Well, he, he was actually a nice guy, but I didn't, I just didn't pay that much attention to him. I should have, but. I did like uh, Craig Ferguson on, on. I didn't really watch much of that late, late stuff, but. Um, oh, I watched it all the time. I thought Craig Ferguson was fantastic. Yeah, he's pretty funny. That's for sure. Yeah, really funny. And the the I the, you know, he wrote the theme song. They he didn't have a he didn't have a sidekick. He had a robot instead, which is like says everything. <laughs> you need, like what he thought about sidekicks. It's like you don't need like we don't need a person. We can just have like a robot. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. Also on my list here, Eric Trump says his likes are being throttled. You sent me that. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, they're both the Trump kids are so funny right now. Yeah, Don Jr. like finally has friends. Um, Eric Trump, like I don't know. I mean, I think I think I think Eric's probably the smarter one. Yeah, you know, I was totally bamboozled by the Saturday Night Live, you know. Have you seen that? You know, they have a... They, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Well, he comes across as like, you know, a complete, like really, you know, handicapped. Like not, aren't, I can't even say handicapped anymore, but differently abled. You know, like a real, a real dum-dum. Mm-hmm. But I listened to him and he just, he doesn't sound like a dum-dum. He just, you know, I don't know, these kids of successful people. <laughs> yeah, there is a, there's a segment that I listened to on a podcast I listened to where they're talking about Eric Trump. It's like a, it's like a, uh, kind of like a day in the life thing with him. Mm -hmm. Just like showing, you know, how he's a serious businessman. And mm -hmm. it's it's like him walking around an office just with like a chauffeur kind of like just 
sort of like showing him around, or I guess a chaperone in this case. Yeah. Just showing him around the office and stuff a like that. And then, chauffeur. Uh, a <laughs> yeah. chauffeur. And uh, I think the, the, the thing that I always remember for it is that like the big decision is he's got to pick like the cover of the magazine. Uh-huh. Like which cover do you want? And, is it uh, a highlights magazine? The kind of magazine you get at the doctor's <laughs> I think it's the, I don't, it's like a Trump, it's one of the Trump organization magazines. Okay. Um, probably for one of the properties or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just that, like, you know, I'm a serious businessman. I pick what, which I, I pick from the two pretty pictures. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe Saturday Night Live is right. Well, I don't know. I mean, to the extent that I think any of these people are kind of like not really that challenged in terms of. Yeah, you know, there hasn't been a, a weeding out process. Well, not even that. I just think like that's kind of what makes you want to learn stuff is when you confront the fact that you don't know something. Hmm. And if Usually. you're the boss, like no one wants to tell you you don't know something. Right. Um, you do know. Yeah, and I think it's like increasingly a lot of companies are like this where like the the people with interest in them aren't the actual people running them. And so like you're answering to someone who doesn't necessarily have that great of knowledge of the, the you know, the actual like in-depth operations. Yeah. Uh and yeah. especially when it's like it just gets handed over to you kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, the the bigger the organization is and the broader the organization is, the harder it is for whoever's at the top to really, you know, have a full grasp on things. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're successful. They, I, you do, there is definitely this fundamental mistake that people make. They, they become successful and then they think they're successful at everything or they're successful because they have some you know, power or capability or something that cuts across everything. I mean, they just think they're smarter than other people, period. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it's like the incentive kind of leads to that as well. Because For sure. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to contradict the guy who's paying you. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, I mean, on the, on your way up, you do, I mean, there is, I, I do think there is an admiration for a certain level of, certainty and confidence and like, you know, no monkeying around, we're going to get her done, you know, that sort of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anonymous revealed himself. And I don't mean that in an inappropriate way. I mean, I don't mean okay. like a tubing thing on Zoom when I say he revealed himself. Did you hear this? You know, about no. this guy. Okay. That's, this is a that's funny though, head. because there's like no way that that's, this is a, a, organization that's been used for like 15 years i don't think there's one guy who's running anonymous but yeah no this is a different anonymous okay this was was somebody who wrote uh an op-ed piece or a letter or something in the new york times and he was this was somebody who was in the administration and said i am not alone trump needs a babysitter there are you know a bunch of us that are trying to keep the wheels on the bus and, you know, they're staying there to try to hold things together. I mean, it would be like the, you know, kind of deep statey, but with not with the intention of undoing uh, Trump, but to keep him from 
you know, doing something terrible. Right. So people didn't know who he was, and uh, so he finally revealed himself. But the question I have is, you know, if people think... So let's see if I can pose this as a question. Uh, Here's somebody... This is somebody who thought... I'm, yeah, I'm sure. going to grab someone to blow my nose. Okay. I'll be Try right a back. Kleenex. A tissue. Thank you. Sorry, the cat's got in my room, so I'm looking for, for Percy right now. <laughs> I'll be right back. Sure. All right. Treat bag works every time. <clears throat> okay. Let me try this question again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. So here's this guy. He's embedded in the Trump administration. He says that he and other people are there trying to keep things from going completely haywire. And uh, and then, you know, he quit. And uh, then just this week he said, hey, I'm the guy who, you know, who wrote, who wrote this thing. The question is, why does somebody stay in an administration they think is basically, you know, is 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 so fragile that they're going to be able to, you know, make the difference. You know, they really yeah. think they're going to be able to make the difference. You think? I think some of them definitely do. Um, or maybe he just thought, well, I can get this information if I'm here. Uh, mm. Thinks that'll be, you know, important. I do think it's kind of weird. <laughs> like, I mean, do you think they like they like the policy, but they think the guy's a little cuckoo? It's hard to say. I mean, you know, no. like I really don't know what he was even doing. Uh, yeah, he was see. like the chief of staff of I think his last name was Taylor, and his chief of staff at oh yeah 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 Homeland Security right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really feel like much got done in terms of that. Like, I don't really know. Yeah. Like, I mean, did, if we could attribute any information releases to this guy, I would be a little bit, you know, I don't know. I'd be a little bit more sort of like happy to hear them. Yeah. If he got the goods on some stuff yeah he didn't he i don't think he ever said that that was his intention doesn't mean it wasn't his intention but i mean it was really like you know there's a it's not just me there's a bunch of us and we're trying to keep you know we're trying to protect the safety of the country because this guy is you know nuts it i don't know i mean it's kind of like blunt the arguments against trump though like i just think that's like a yeah. It doesn't do much good, and it does kind of also, like, make it, oh, yeah, no, don't worry, guys. There's a resistance inside the Trump administration. Like, well, I don't just see was, a whole lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what he was resisting, but and I guess people could, I mean, Trump and his supporters could point to this guy and say, well, there's your deep state. I mean, like, that's one person. There's He said there are others. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind to me is sort of like the discussion we were just having that, you know, this guy thought he was more effective and more influential than he probably was. I mean, we all probably feel that, but you know. Yeah. I just think all the, the 
the way that the resistance talk was framed, I think it's been very damaging. To um, the resistance. <laughs> to the yeah, left. To, to, yeah, to the left. Um, because it that framing means that they're willing to take in anyone who doesn't like Trump. Yeah. You know, like John Bolton was getting like, you know, pats on the back because he <laughs> because he, he quit or whatever or was fired. Yeah. I don't remember. It but, depends on who you, know, you ask. Yeah, it's like it, it's like, come on, like that to anyone who's actually a voter, that looks terrible unless you just don't care about the actual, like, sort of effects that we're talking about. Yeah, I think people were people were I don't know, I and mean, people are no, there wasn't a lot of standing up to Trump in any kind of on any axis. So maybe people were excited that there was. I don't know. Maybe they like the idea that Trump really was as crazy as he appeared. But yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, that's the idea. But it, like, what do you think the actual effect of giving Bush a big hug and saying he's not that bad is? Yeah, yeah. Like that is a huge political error. Just to just just blatantly, you know, without any sort of other factors. Yeah. That's that's a pretty big screw up in my opinion yeah it's it's like we thought you were at the bottom but there's actually a bottom a, a real bottom like further like below where you were so you weren't so bad i mean i don't you know, that doesn't really make much sense does it i'm just saying there was a there was a lively debate about whether to charge president bush for the crimes that he committed in office and like you know, Obama had to pretend that that was like even a possibility, and now they're like, you know, yeah. you see them at events like talking, you know, having a little small talk and you know, being friends, and it's yeah. like, I, I think Obama just either doesn't care or doesn't realize like the effect that that actually has. I don't know. I mean, people really like Bush now. He just seems like, you know, so much less problematic. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying yeah, that's true. No, I just think that the, that's like, that just like, imagine if you applied that logic to any other part of your life, you would think that person is pathetic. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, and I don't mean to get too nerdy. I guess I don't have to mean to get nerdy to get nerdy uh, but you know biological systems are typically much more sensitive to change than they are to abs the absolute level right yeah we sort of accommodate to some set point and then we're like super sensitive to changes and we're definitely sensitive to a downside change more sensitive to downside change than an upside change so if that's the case when you're when you're experiencing Bush and there's never been a Trump, Bush bad. But then when you're in Trump land, Bush not so bad, right? I mean, he's on the upside. So, But that's the thing. It's like it's not really. It's just the, on the level that it's affecting you personally. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's the right way to think about things. I'm saying that people are wired to, in the in the current environment to not think about things the right way. I'm agreeing with you. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not making an excuse, but I am giving a reason, I guess. No, I get that. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, even not on an absolute level, like you don't have to just compare them 
like I would still say Bush was probably worse overall if you look at like where we were before and where we were after him. Like even than Trump, we were already on this this trajectory, I would say. Like coronavirus yeah, is his is his chance to catch Bush in terms of doing actual harm. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably maybe that's right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess avoided, he, he's avoided like massive war stuff, basically. Yeah, yeah, and that is a huge difference from Bush. Like, yeah, I mean, I think we said over a million people died in Iraq. Isn't that right? I'm pretty sure that's right. I don't know, it, but it's yeah. I get your point. Your point is if you just stripped away the labels of Bush and Obama and Trump, and somebody laid the outcomes in front of you, it wouldn't be so clear who was who you know you couldn't just say yeah. trump's kook and everything's gone to crap yeah and honestly it sucks because it's like i think it's kind of beneficial to obama to have this disastrous seeming person after you for because, sure you know if you were to just like strip everything away and look at the actual facts of that presidency a lot of the shine is not there yeah I mean, it's it's marked by missed opportunities and giving in to bad instincts, I would say, is like pretty big characteristics of that presidency. Well, you, you have me convinced that the that both sides or both parties or whatever are kind of on the hook to this set of interests that have to do with, you know, money and have money having influence, basically lots of influence and just sort of driving, driving the show. So it, you really shouldn't expect broadly different, you know, outcomes across right. these presidents. But your point is that your, your point is that Trump hasn't been all that bad. If you look at the, I mean, other than the coronavirus hasn't been all that bad. Yeah. Just if looking look at, at a harm reduction standpoint or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess it depends on how you weight things, right? I'm not sure yeah. immigration is immigration's worse, I would say, but, you know. Yeah, but it's like it, it's also on levels where it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, he's worse. But it also was kind of set up, you know, like it, we were already on that trajectory, too. It and was it's a just mess. Like we created, we, yeah, I mean, I think that's the Dan Carlin talks about this all the time with creation of like frameworks of power and then just handing them over to someone. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the big thing that Obama, like that was like the biggest sort of bad outcome of Obama's presidency was. So what do you mean by that? Just because well, I've only been away for 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so he created all these frameworks of, I would say, kind of socially acceptable ways of doing all this stuff. Like uh -huh. the, the, the policy of family separation, the sort of ramping up of deportations, um, the drone strike program and FISA courts, uh, like all that kind of stuff is, it's bad enough when Obama was president, but then you just hand it over to someone on the right and it's like, oh, well, what's going to happen, you know? Uh, it, it's, you know, like we can say now definitively Trump has dr done more drone strikes than Obama, which like I wasn't sure that was going to happen when he got sworn in. 
Yeah. But it's not that surprising because, you know, Obama did the hard part. Now Trump has the system that he could just use. No, and we basically already got it through to the point where no one cares. God, it's so true. We've been at war for so long, and there's a huge chunk of the population that that's not a reality for. Yeah, or that it's a, or that it's like seen as some like, you know, Starship Troopers thing where it's like you. This, this is how you prove that you're a good person, type thing. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't know. I see behavior everywhere, right? Everywhere I look. But you, yeah. you remove the hesitancy factor from something. Right. For reasons that you could I mean, you could you could explain that it's safer for, you know, Americans or whatever. But by making it safer for Americans, the threshold at which you use that technology understandably drops. And there's no I mean, there's no body bags. There's no you know, there's no hair on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even I mean, you can't even really figure out who the person is that did it yeah. you know because it's like a it's not even like a, a directly piloted thing yeah it's weird stuff mm. yeah it's okay. it's interesting because obama's like a you know he's like a technocrat kind of guy and this is the effect if you don't have like it just looking it's just so hard to look back at the sort of nonchalant way that all the mainstream liberals kind of viewed all this stuff with where it's like, Oh, well, we're not going to lose. Come on. These guys are, these guys are losers. Like the Republicans, these guys are, are chumps. Yeah. And the demographics are changing toward us. You know, like we're just going to forget that gerrymandering is a thing. God. I don't know how you, I just don't know how you wake up. Like I like the like the skate you're like helping the scales you know fall from my eyes or whatever the right metaphor is or the metaphor is that right I don't know yeah that's right yeah so you're helping me but I mean you're maybe you're wrong yeah I mean it could be what do you know (laughs) (laughs) I don't know this out of bed and you know. (laughs) I will admit that like a lot of the way that I decide this stuff is because this is how it makes things make sense to me. Well, that's a good reason. I mean, that's a better reason than some other way of looking at things that doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what like sort of drew me to more outside political commentary is just sort of that feeling of, of like dissonance. Like this doesn't quite, this, these pieces don't fit together perfectly. Yeah. Well, you're you're a little like your old man in that regard. I mean, I have this itch about trying to get everything nailed down, you know, trying to find the set of principles that explains something. And this, you know, sort of the simpler, the better. It's It feels wrong when you have to kind of like cobble things together when there might be a an angle, you know, a, a perspective of looking at something where you can just kind of articulate like this is, it's this, this, and that. And when you look at it that way, it's all pretty clear about how this works. Yeah. I, yeah. I just don't see it as clearly as you do in this regard. I mean, I'm not really great at politics. Well, it's like, I don't know, man. It, it's tough because it's, I don't think that there's a perfect 
you know, rubric or whatever you can apply to stuff. But just kind of becoming familiar with sort of the ways these systems that other people have come up with for making sense of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is, is that like we're problem solvers and we like finding a system that you can apply across like a, a broad scale and, and see some actual adherence, you know? Yeah. Get um, some insights. Yeah. It's, it's in, like you're saying, the simpler, the better. So I think <clears throat> sort of becoming more, familiar with how the parties actually do stuff and becoming more familiar with like leftist politics, mm-hmm. which I don't think like, I don't really adhere to completely. I think there's some big flaws with like Marxism and stuff because like we've seen the margin change so much that like in terms of the actual value creative capital, like outweighs labor now, I think, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that was something that he saw happening Uh, because it's just, I mean, you know, we're 200 years in the future now. Um, Yeah. I think you, I think you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago about, I think you were talking about two halves, like democracy is, they're like two halves. If you could put them together, you know, you need this power stuff in tension, but you need a, you need a, Right. You need yeah. a, you need a, a ideological purity or something like that. I think you said, and I and during that conversation, you said that, you know, we're like, we're we're down the path, and a lot has changed, and and we need to refresh this whole look at things, which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we do have examples that, like, a lot of people will say, like, you know, true socialism has never been tried. And it's like, that's kind of true. But like, that kind of shows you the flaw of a lot of those styles. If you just completely adhere to them, I think it shows you the flaw where it's like, yeah, if you were just like floating along without any outside influence on you, that might work. But we live in a a world where capital does basically control everything. And there's a massive police force, essentially, of like, that's just there to stop you from doing that. Yeah. Even and it's yeah, not I like, I think it's not even a, an easy, like I think it would be very hard to succeed in just like following through on all those principles, even if you didn't have an outside force. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'd be happy with a little socialism around the things that, you know, where people are really getting beat up, like healthcare, housing, um, fair wage, yeah, climate change. I mean, those are all really big, but you don't have to have, I don't know. I don't know. You no, don't yeah, I think it's just helpful to right. have the, I think it's just helpful to have the knowledge. Because I agree with you. I think that kind of stuff is really like, if we're talking about socialism in the U.S., that's so far past, you know, where we are and and even like the way that people talk about socialism here. Oh my gosh. You know, it's like, it's even like the socialists here, people that call themselves socialists here. Yeah. Like you're not really talking about a socialist state. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about a, a a pretty capitalist state with decent sized, you know, like state support programs. Yeah. No, a mixed sort of a mixed, I guess that's what I call it, a mixed economy. Market, you know, market-driven in lots of places, but government involvement in, you know, a handful of things that provide a floor for people. 
I don't know. I mean, there are countries that do that. I don't really care whether pure socialism has been ever tried or not. I'm just looking for something yeah. sustainable that's materially better than what we've got. I, yeah, I get, you know, that's the thing, though, I think is the the trying to find something sustainable. That's how you get into all this like super high level political like the stuff. I mean, you know, like the the way that our system was designed and stuff like that. That's all basically because they had to, they're trying to like plan for the future. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I've been trying to understand the ninth and the 10th amendment, which to me seems like there's a huge problem between those two things. Right. So there's the ninth amendment is basically if we, just because the constitution doesn't say that individuals have these rights. That doesn't mean they don't have these rights. There are lots of rights that people have that are not written in the Constitution. That's like, I think, the Ninth Amendment. And the Tenth Amendment mm -hmm. is, if the Constitution doesn't say a state can't do it, sorry, if the Constitution doesn't say that the federal government trumps the state, the state gets to do what it wants. Basically. Yeah, I believe that's true. Right? If it's not enumerated in the Constitution the states get to own it. Now, between those two things, sounds like some serious trouble, right? So if a woman has a right, let's say, to, to for reproductive choice, which we don't know because the Constitution didn't, all that we know is the Constitution says that could be, right? And then right. we've got this other amendment where, the, the, where it says the federal government can't tell the states what to do unless that has been enumerated in the Constitution, then, then, then who knows what's going on, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. because the federal government, you could come to the conclusion that the federal government does actually, you know, have the right to protect, has the power to protect this individual right, even though it's not enumerated in the Constitution, because that's what the Ninth Amendment says, but people on the other side are saying, hey, no, 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 we don't got to blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It seems like a like that seems like a very, very difficult thing. And if you're if you're Amy Coney Barrett and you're just looking at the literal stuff, you're I think you're going to lean towards the 10th instead of the 9th. And yeah. if you're if you're more like, well, either we've got to redo this whole thing, like reboot the entire thing or add a bunch of amendments or we're going to like pull the constitution into the 21st century and you know people people in societies evolve in terms of what they think a fundamental right is like the right to marry somebody yeah regardless of their genitalia or their identification yeah it's well, it's so interesting cuz i wonder if they expected us to amend the constitution more often well, that's you the know, answer that the originalists, the textualists give, right? They say, well, you know, it, it's not, a, that's not the, that's not the court's business, right? You know, go, go them in the constitution, but we, we can't even get, we can't even get the equal rights amendment passed. It was like 1970 something. Yeah, when that started. That, that was the that's the thing. Me. I think, I think that was probably too big of a, of a reach for the, like, I think it's pretty clear that I think our system isn't working the way that it was envisioned to because of like all of these problems that you can identify yeah. in especially the power balance. And like, 
I just think that that is one of the dysfunctions of having this system where it's like it didn't quite work out the way they wanted it to. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't even really care what they intended. I mean, I do. And I, and I think I really yeah. do think this was a, you know, a fantastic experiment and it's, it's really shaped the modern world and a lot of, you know, a lot of good and a lot of bad has come from it. It's an imperfect attempt to try to help people, you know, self-govern and get away from all of the other systems, which are, you know, haven't proven to be particularly good. But I don't really care what somebody from the eight, you know, the 18th century, what they would think if you transported them here. They would probably their heads would be blown. I, you know, I don't know yeah. what they think. I Who think knows the, what they the, think. The thing is that I think like that's a I think that's a common point of contention between people who want more from the the like the the legal system and the constitution and those that are kind of happy with it is you know would they be happy with the system as it's created and i just think it's it is still important to point out that it does not work in the intended fashion right now because even if you just look at the balance of power which seems like that was the central thing they wanted yeah. already completely dysfunctional yeah i i get what you're saying it's i get what you're saying it's not about bringing some guy with a powdered wig into the 21st century. You're just saying that they were they were dealing with some problems. They intended to address them, and it's things have sort of skidded off the road. Right. So I think that makes that a not very convincing argument of trying to adhere. You know, like I think that basically all of the originalist stuff is premised on something that doesn't quite work. Like we've seen that it doesn't work. Well, it works for the friggin', you know, the right. It works for business. That's for sure. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The Constitution and the amendments are mostly about what other people can't do to to you. It doesn't really say what, you know, what the government is supposed to do for people. Yeah. I think, man, it it's so tough because this is the kind of stuff that is actually like basically just saying like, okay, the system is pretty dysfunctional in terms of just the way that it like it doesn't work as designed that's a that is a big problem because you know it's yeah. not like we're changing the way that everything works to make it work yeah um and it's just it's so it's kind of dis, disheartening talking to just or seeing normal like republicans like just average middle of the road republicans who don't make money they don't really make that much money mm-hmm. just get tricked by the like you know oh well are you going to pay one thousand dollars more in taxes that that like you know that kind of stuff just allows it basically people have just a completely unhealthy sort of view of this kind of stuff because they think that they're doing so much better than people or you know they just have a skewed view of what the actual interests are here is like, there's, I, you know, I talk to people who make like 80 K yeah. like you're not rich and you know, you're, you're barely like, I would say you're barely middle-class in the, mm-hmm. the way that we talk about it. Uh, you know how it used to be <clears throat> just, just comparing to like cost of living type stuff. Yeah. 
like that would be pretty solidly like you know middle class and yeah. those people all are acting like you know like i mean so many of those people act like they're rich or they're like in the upper class and you know anyone who isn't there well it's just because you're not working hard enough yeah yeah for sure we watched uh we watched this uh it's like almost like a one woman show uh what the constitution means to me it's really pretty good it's about this it's a woman who who earned her way through college, earned enough money to go to college by speaking at um like american legion halls doing debates and speaking about what the constitution meant to her and as she grew up she you know she started to realize that the constitution didn't you know didn't treat women the same as it did men and didn't treat you know black people the same as it did other people of color the same as it treated white men and pretty it sort of this back and forth between constitutional law essentially and her autobiography it's really pretty good and it made that's what that's why I started looking at the ninth and the tenth amendment and try to understand where some of this gobbledygook is I don't know I thought that was I thought it was it was um, provoking for me, which is good. Huh. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I mean, it made me, you know, I haven't looked at the, the amendments for I don't know how long. You know, it's not something I'm particularly proud of, but. Well. It's <laughs> like what you're saying. I mean, you know, that's like, who, who does that? We should do it, but. I don't know. I came away from it. At the end, they have this debate between, you know, the, the proposal is either abolish the Constitution or not abolish it. But what you what you end up seeing is that something needs to be done. You don't have to abolish it, but something's got to change. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I shouldn't say it doesn't make any sense, but there are these, clearly there are these problems. And as you say, it's not it's not behaving in the way that I think any reasonable person would say it was intended to behave, which is, I guess, your point. Yeah, I think more than anything, it's important to try to dispel that notion that everything's okay because the Constitution says it is. Yeah. Because it's like, even if you just look at, I mean, it, it doesn't take long getting into the amendments to see things that are just completely not the way that things are now. And the Fourth Amendment's the big one. That's like the one that everyone has talked about for, you know, like 10 years now, probably. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's just like there's there's so many examples of that kind of stuff being completely, like, flaunted or disregarded. And it, it just means that, like, if if anyone says they're a constitutionalist at this point, it makes me think they're a crank because – like you're adhering to something that no one in, in government adheres to. It, they don't care. Yeah. It's hard. To, I mean, some of it's hard to even to know what you're supposed to do. I mean, at least with the Bible, people are translating it. I mean, they're trying, they're trying to translate it into modern words. I mean, very few people are reading stuff in Greek and Hebrew. I mean, scholars yeah. are, but you know, Right, it gets translated into words that mean something today. We don't. I can't, you read that stuff. You can't even. T I don't even know what it means. Some of it. Some of it's fairly clear, but some of it is like you know, pretty twisted. 
Yeah, we need, that, re- we need a reboot at least. I mean, a fresh coat of paint or like open up the engine and change the oil or something. I don't know what the right analogy is, but, you know, it's language that's really difficult to wrap your head around. And I don't think I'm the only one. I mean, I think yeah, the, you know, lawyers spend a lot of time worrying about what words exactly mean. And we're talking about words that are 300 years or 200 and something years old. I don't know. What, what the heck do I know? No, I mean, that's completely right. I, I was just going to say, like, even if you're just having a conversation with someone about something that you kind of see differently, it's hard to define your terms and get to that point of kind of mutual understanding just because of the limits of language. And yeah, I mean, when people come to this thing with different agendas, like we're talking about in, in like a legalistic sense, it's... It is a big, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a problem. That's a, just a baseline problem with legalism. No. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can look at the Second Amendment, and I know that the Supreme Court's already, like, done their thing here, but, you know, you can read it, and it's not so clear what was supposed to happen at one level, just about, like, guns, right? Like, weapons. Like yeah. there's that question. And then there's like, if you step back, what problem were they trying to solve? They were probably just trying to solve a tyrannical, you know, central government, right? They, you, the people need some way to make sure that they can survive and push back should something go wrong. Well, you know, guns aren't going to do it now. Like, I don't think that's... Right. I don't think that's a, a credible way to, you know, fight back a... Uh, authoritarian, tyrannical, you know, whatever. I'm not sure what the right answer is, but it's not going to involve handguns and, you know, automatic weapons. I'm not saying it should be tanks and, you know, (laughs) that kind of stuff. I don't know what it is, you know. It's not even that you have to believe that to, to identify that problem. And that, that I think, I mean, a lot of people have talked about this, but yeah, it's just, it kind of turns into, your personal view on, you know, what's reasonable at that point, I think, which is tough because, you know, that like, that's directly related to your view of the role of government and things like that. I don't, you know, I think, yeah, I think there are people, let's suppose we were, you know, the, the thing was open and we're now like trying to decide what to do. Are we going to like fix stuff up? Are we going to start from scratch or whatever? But it's not clear to me that something like the right to privacy, like a real right to privacy, you know, it's not clear to me that's a left, right thing. No, no, it should. I mean, right? it, and it, historically it hasn't been, but I think parties screw everything up because, they kind of lead people away from those things. Like a lot of libertarians still are like freaking out about this stuff. Yeah. And everyone who's like their actual goal is to get into politics. Well, you know, we're not going to do anything about that. So I kind of have to let that go. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's the, like maybe the right to private, like a real explicit written down in, you know, modern English right to privacy is what the second amendment would look like in the 21st century, right? Maybe it's, maybe the real problem is the government getting into stuff that they shouldn't get into or business or anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's, know. it's just that basically there's always a legal way around it. Like 
you know, I mean, car searches are like the big thing that everyone talks about because that's like clearly just like a violation of your rights. Uh, yeah. Well, except for what the Supreme Court is, you know. Well, like, because, no, because you're supposed to give you're supposed to give permission, but to the to the cops, but people don't know that, and the cops are not required to tell you that you have to give them permission to search your car. It doesn't matter either way, though, because all like all it takes is is reasonable like reason to to search is all they need, and you don't have to yeah. give them any sort of thing for that, and there's no sort of enforcement of that. Where, like, if they go around you and just say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I smelled weed. Right. And if they don't find anything, who's going to – no one cares. They're not going to get, you know, written up for that. No one – because that's how the, it works. So – Yeah, it's so interesting what you're saying, right? So if you had a, if you had a constitution that was explicit and, you know, buttoned up – or you had a constitution that, you know, had to be reviewed every whatever years. And there's lots of opportunities to fix stuff up. You might be more interested in a judiciary system that was literal, that was more originalist, or I guess it wouldn't be originalist because you'd be updating it every once in a while. But you wouldn't want any legal arguments. It would just be like, no, you can't do that. Like there's nothing yeah. else to be said. But you got to have a pretty good you have to pretty have a pretty good constitution if that's the case i don't know well and it also it relates i think this is especially hard because we're talking about the police which essentially act as part of the legal system so it's yeah you know it, it is helpful in the short term and in the local sense for those lawyers and and just the the people that work with them like a turn you know da's and uh, prosecutors and like they need to have a good relationship with the police basically to do a lot of their job. And that just means that you're going to, you know, be very soft with them. You're not going to do anything that's going to piss them off. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Is your brother up? I don't think so. You want to, okay. We'll see see. Do you want to do this on your own or you want to save it for another time? Um, I don't know. Maybe we can Let's see if no, I didn't get a message from him either. Um, maybe I can just join you guys tomorrow for it or something. I don't know. Okay. We'll we'll just put it on hold. We'll stay, we'll yeah, we'll stitch them together or something. Yeah, because I spend a lot of time on these questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay. I you still need how, to do mine know, too. You know how good these questions are. Oh All yeah. Right. Well, Anything else? Sassy Justice with Fred Sassy? How about that? The South that was Park insane. Guys. That right? was insane. Was so that's Peter Serafinowicz, right? I think that's right. Do you mean the voice? The, yeah. Well, the I, well, I was wondering, did he, so yeah, is that him doing Probably. all the facial acting and then they put his face on, I, on him? I think so. I don't think there's any advantage to have having a third actor than having Trump's face, you know, plastered on it and then having somebody else's voice plowed in. Right. I don't think there's any point in that. So I think he, I think he was the guy. It's incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. That is right. It's, it is just him. I was thinking it was kind of weird looking because he just doesn't quite look like the same proportions. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, that makes sense. I need That's to look just... into this studio. It says the series was created by the newly formed Deep Voodoo Studio. Yeah, they built this studio. It's like I don't know, they had like twenty, you know, programmers and and deep fake experts, Doctor Deep Fakes, uh, because they were gonna they were gonna do a full time, I'm mean, a full time, a full length uh, movie. And then uh, the coronavirus hit, and they couldn't they couldn't pull it off, so they decided to do this fifteen minute thing. It's incredible. <laughs> Michael Caine says you have to watch with your ears. <laughs> Is that right? Love it. I love. It. Have you not seen it yet? Uh, I've seen. Well, I saw part of the one that. Um, you just watch I just the, looked it up. After, no, watch yeah. the whole 15 minute thing. The Jared Kushner stuff is unbelievable. It's just all like, you know, Chris Wallace and and they've got Al Gore and uh, obviously Trump, Fred Sassy. <laughs> they've got Julian so, Andrews, Michael so Caine. Trey Parker is Al Gore and then Matt Stone plays Mark Zuckerberg, it says here. Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> is unbelievable. I mean, it's just so... The part that I love is that they're not doing like so the the voices would be the easiest thing to fake, right? The, the, you could get people who could get close to the voices, or you could get people close to the voices and then do that thing, and then you could do the text. You know, you could do the AI on the voices. You get that's the it, by far and away that's easier to do than the deep faking somebody's face in video. Mm-hmm. But instead, they do the, they do the deep fake on the face, and that they just have these people talking. Michael Caine sounds like Michael Caine, and Julie Andrews sounds like Julie Andrews. Chris Wallace, maybe, <laughs> but you know, Trump doesn't sound anything like Trump. And Jared Kushner is like a, he's like a six year old kid. Oh, that's <laughs> they awesome. just got a six year old kid to sit down and like uh, maybe not even six. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's genius, right? It's just genius. They're showing you what they can do but making it obviously not done by taking away the easiest part. <laughs> well, easiest yeah. part I, well, that's the thing too, is it seems like it must've been based on the Serafinovich videos. Uh, I'm not, not, so I'll have to go look at those. I don't know. Yeah, he did. I, I didn't even think they were funny, but he did like, he did, he just like read stuff that Donald Trump said. He did like a voiceover on just Donald I Trump clips in that sassy voice. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I just like anything that's like that, where you're just reading the words of another guy like that. It's just like, I don't really think that's that funny. Yeah. But this is the perfect application of that is, I mean, I think those guys are really funny too. It's like having those Trey Parker and Matt Stone do it is probably much better than otherwise. (laughs) Those guys are so talented and they've been doing it for so long. It's just incredible. Anyways. Well, I'm going to look th- up the rest of those. Yeah. Have you done the <laughs> reface thing? Did you see my, my, me as Keanu Reeves? I did. That one was the best one. <laughs> that one looked, that one looked pretty close. Like it, it, it's, it's weird. Cause the eyes and the mouth look a little bit odd on some of the, the, like if the actor looks a certain way, I don't think it kind of yeah. picks it up all the time no but no uh, and this is just something you do on your like cell phone i don't know how it works I don't, <laughs> it's the russians or the chinese have all these pictures of me now or something i don't uh, know whatever. facebook did, does too yeah <laughs> i did right it's too late now uh i i also did harrison ford and that one doesn't look i mean it, 
it looks like Harrison Ford has a, you know, a kind of an older, not quite put together brother. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like the Bridges brothers or I don't know, <laughs> the bald yeah. ones or something. <laughs> it's so funny. I So I watched, I looked at all of those and I really, I really enjoyed watching those. Uh, I don't know. It's just something about them was super funny to me. But yeah. uh, the, um, I mean, I just want this stuff to be better because, like, you can already see some of those clips with Harrison Ford and, like, a lot of them with Keanu Reeves. It yeah. really looked very convincing. Yeah. Like, I mean, it looked right. It looked c- kind of like they were that somebody had filmed somebody doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, some, I mean, I think the Keanu, I think, is best because his hair is like yours and his beard is pretty similar to yours. Well, we're, you know, I get people, people say that. Yeah. They're like, did you dry your hair? Keanu, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Uh, exactly. Somebody, somebody on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. No, no, it was, uh, it's, it's Dana, Gina's sister told me that Cooper, right? Rick's kid mm-hmm. said, Gina almost, Gina couldn't stand this. Cooper <laughs> said, oh yeah, you look a lot like Matthew McConaughey. I'm <laughs> 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 just imagining Gina's response to that. <laughs> I'm imagining Matthew McConaughey's response to that. Oh, you know, I'm sure he gets that a lot. Uh, yeah, you look like a 62-year-old, yeah, old, you know, like... Have you met Bob Neese? Are you yeah. guys brothers? Yeah. <laughs> Addy used to say I look like Peter Coyote. Man, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I look like Wiley Coyote. Yeah, you wouldn't know. I mean, he was like a D-list actor. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, it was fun. Yeah, I want to see more of those. Uh, and honestly, like, if we can find some better way to do it. Because yeah. it is really, I mean, it's just fun. Like, just seeing that stuff is fun. So, yeah. you know, doing it. Yeah, I assume, right. I think that the I think that the South Park guys, you know, Fred Sassy, that's a completely, you know, different level. I mean, it was, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, this... <laughs> You've got to watch the Jared Kushner thing because <laughs> you can tell it's a little kid, but it's Jared Kushner's face with his dimples and everything. I mean, it's just like bizarre. Oh, <laughs> I just saw the the little uh, thumbnail. Yeah. But you can get something that's, you know, 80%, probably 65 to 80% of the way there, which would be, you know, convincing enough if things are moving and blowing up around you that, you probably do on your phone or your laptop or whatever. Anyways. It'll probably get, well, let's see. It's probably not going to be too long before you, we all have like those AR phones. So that'll probably yeah. help. Yeah. Kind of I mean, around I your a little bit. if it's like everything else, we, I mean, we're seeing it with the South Park guys and it'd be like, you know, it won't be very long until everybody will be doing it. <laughs> Well, I think Trump should start wearing an ascot like this. Yeah, he looks he looks sharp. I mean, he really does. The pattern suits <laughs> too. I think I think that's a good it's a good look for him. He yeah. he never does it. I like the ascot and the matching uh, whatever it is pocket pocket thing pocket square yeah, square. That's it. Yeah. 
Okay, the dogs are barking. It's time for their dinner. All right, I can hear them. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay, it was great talking to you. Yeah, it was good. Uh, like I say, hopefully we can still do the quiz part tomorrow. Sure, well, let's give it a try. All right, okay. sounds good. All right, check in with Billy and see if there's a time that maybe we can just hijack his his time. Yeah, that was that was my idea, but I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to him, figure it out, or just tack it onto the end or the big, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, this makes for good podcasting content. Us talking about the next podcast, like scheduling things. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we'll cut the parts that we don't like. I'm not cutting anything. It's no, all yeah. staying in. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares. You <laughs> guys time can... for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love you, son. All right. I love you, too. I'll talk to you. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. Hopefully, we'll talk tomorrow. All right. Okay. Take care.